to Totalus Rankium. This week, John One. Hello and welcome to Roman Emperor's Totalus Rankium. I am Jamie. <laughs> you sure? think so. <laughs> and I am Rob. Ranking all of the emperors from Augustus to Constantine 11, and this is episode 130. Just count them. Oh. But don't, because we'll be here a while. It is, as you said, John 1, also known as John Zimiskis. I'll probably call the, the episode John 1 Zimiskis. Okay. In that we're numbering them, but we're also putting the nicknames in. Okay. That's how yeah. we're doing it. Yeah, well, fair enough. Yeah. You, yeah. you go with it. John Zim. The Jay-Z. Oh, yes. Yeah. There we go. That there sounds go. cool. It does sound. That's a real person and everything. Yeah. 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 So he made it then. What, as emperor? Yeah. Yeah. Well, how much do you remember from last time? Uh, he was a general. <laughs> yeah. 70 with Leo the Deacon. He was. He's a source. Yeah. Letter. John had left. Oh, he betrayed Leo the Deacon, didn't he? No, Leo the Deacon's a source. So. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, didn't he betray somebody who was trying to do something and he went to the emperor and said hang on no should we go should we go over it yeah let's go let's go over it yeah i do love how most Mm. people binge listen to these so they listen to what happened literally about three minutes ago oh so uh you just seem really stupid now well (laughs) yeah what you need to remember listeners is that jb's got a busy life and two weeks go by between this and the last episode and he's not thought about it since no i i I, I, I've, I'm at the point now I don't even listen back to our episodes. No. Yeah, you could, not I, no idea. Nope. Don't even know if it's Roman presidents or New Zealand prime ministers, do you? No, I have to ask you every single time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's make a start. Let's refresh that memory of yours, shall we? Oh, thank you. Let's do this. We've been hearing about the general, John Zimiskis, uh, for the last few episodes, haven't we? I was right, he's a general. Yeah, 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 got that. Let's see what his life's like. He was born in around 925, we don't know exactly. That's surprisingly accurate for current times. Normally it's like, we don't know when he was born, kind of thing. Oh, well, we We've don't got a vague know date. exactly. We've got a vague date. We know yeah. roughly how old he was, so we can say it was roughly a quarter of the way through the 10th century. Okay. Yeah, which is a long way of saying 925. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we also know he was born to a prominent family. His father would have been a prominent man in this prominent family. This is the Caucus family. Oh, Caucus. That rings a bell. Yeah. um, I don't know how related it is to the mountains, but the family was Armenian in descent, and that's where the Caucasian (gasps) mountains are, and trolls. Uh, So, yeah, I'm guessing it's all linked to that. Yeah, they're related to cave trolls. Mountain mountain giants. Yes, those two. He's like one twentieth giant or something. Yeah, he's a bit like Hagrid. Only not, as we're, we're getting to shortly. Oh. Anyway, uh, his mother was none other than a focus. Yes, from the focus family. Not just any focus, but the sister of Nikephros from last week. Yeah, okay. Yeah, this is something I didn't mention last week. Um, I'm not sure why, because I did know it. I just forgot. forgot to mention it. <laughs> yeah, uh, John is actually Nikephros's nephews. Okay. 
but I mean, the Focus family is large and sprawling, and like Everos had many, many nephews, as, as we'll see. Some more come up today. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, there's another one. Yeah. So John comes from a prominent family. He's also uh, related through marriage to the Focus family. The name Zimiskis is a nickname, obviously. And we've lost the original meaning. We're not really sure what it means. Uh, according to one source, it could mean slipper, which is quite nice. Oh, no. Family owned a business. Yeah. The Zimmy business. Yeah. And they made skis. And, I mean, the... Mountains. The Caucasus Mountains. Mountain. Yeah, see, it there all makes go. sense. Well, um, there's another one. Red boot. It could mean red boot. No. Skis. Uh, or it could just mean short. Is he short-statured? He is meant to be slightly short-statured, so that one seems most likely. Uh, but I'm going for skis. Red skis, it can link into the red boots. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I yeah. like that, yeah. yeah and he may be short as well, so... Yeah, okay. And in the evening, bunny rabbit slippers. Oh. Yeah. So anyway, uh, we know nothing of his childhood whatsoever, but he would have been well-educated because he was from a rich family. As he grew, people started to take notice of him, however. Was he as prominent as his dad? <laughs> his dad? You said his dad was family's quite prominent. Oh, I see. Yeah, no, that's true. No, it was because he was very good at physical activities. Prominent. He was prominent. Well, he would do things such as um, line four horses up and then run at them from the side. <laughs> Poor horses. And then he would jump, leap over three horses and land in the saddle of the fourth. Yeah. <laughs> Don't know if there was a ramp, someone gave him a leg up. I don't know, maybe they were, like, really small horses. Shy horses. <laughs> yeah. No, not shy horses. Oh, no, they're big, aren't yeah, they? They're, yeah, they're big, big, yeah, big, big. There's yeah. little horses. Shetland ponies. Shetland ponies, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I can believe that. Yeah. But the last one's a real horse at the end. Yeah, um, maybe. Um, so, yeah, he did that. I'm guessing everyone was impressed. Uh, he also could jump higher than anyone else. Like, in the world? I don't know. It didn't say. It just said higher than anyone else. I'm guessing in his peer group. That's weird. Why yeah. would you know that? Why would you care? Why is that a thing to be proud of? Uh, I don't know. Like sports games, people like people like jumping what? high. I don't oh, know. Oh, well done. You jumped three feet. Here's a clap. Ooh. Yeah, well, other people get more excited by people jumping. There's like a whole Olympic thing around it. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah, but they use sticks. They're cheating. But these wobbly sticks. You get the people who jump without a stick as well, though. Oh, like the long jumpy thing. I was more thinking the high jump, but... <laughs> Yeah, these are the big stick, don't they, for the high jump? No, that's the pole vault. Oh. Yeah. This is how little I care about sport. <laughs> I can see. Uh, anyway, he was good at... He could jump one, two, three centimetres, if not more. Um, <laughs> he could throw a javelin further than anyone else, which is impressive. Yeah. That's a, There's a purpose for that. That's warfare. That's not oh, sport. Or hunting. Or hunting, exactly, yeah. He could shoot an arrow through a ring. How big's the ring? Depends on the person. <laughs> Ring size, as in finger, Jamie. Oh! oh lowering the tone. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I apologise. Yeah, so uh, it's, it's like someone, I don't know, someone would hold up their ring, maybe, and they'd just shoot his arrow oh. through the ring. Yeah, impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good for him. Yeah, he's all round good at stuff. But that does bode well for him being a general in the yeah, army, Yeah, no, I exactly. Guess, so. So, there he is. He's excelling. Uh, as many young people in his class, he also enjoyed polo. You remember polo is a big thing at this time? Yes. 
On horses hitting things. Yeah, well, uh, he soon excelled at the sport. Uh, he was showing off. Uh, as a bit of a party trick, he would place one of the balls on top of a glass, like a glass glass. Right. Uh, and then he would ride full speed at this suspended ball, and then he would whack the ball into the distance, and the ball would fly off, and the glass would remain perfectly standing where it was. Did the glass have a liquid in, like wine, as like a proper wine glass? I'd like to That'd be impressive. So. Yeah, yeah, I think so. It's a bit like that. Then the ball lands in the hole, as it is in polo. Yeah, that's how polo works, isn't it? Yeah, far off horse golf. It's a bit like um, cribbage. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Very similar. Ooh, American Roman crossover there. That doesn't Horses happen very weird, long. yeah. <laughs> God damn! <laughs> yeah, that's what happens. And he took a swig of the wine, yeah. and that's when the, the cribbage fell over. So he wins. <laughs> Yes. Good. <laughs> if anyone listens to both series at the same time, that will make slightly more sense, but not much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also, stop trying to tell me what cribbage is. I don't want to know. <laughs> we don't care. <laughs> <laughs> and a couple of people send, send what cribbage is. I didn't read it. I saw the words, this is how cribbage... Uh, no, I'm not reading it. Yeah, delete. Yeah, I'm not, yeah. I'm not finding out. Didn't even like the comment. <laughs> and then there'll be people binge listening to this series and we'll just go what the hell but then in the future they'll binge listen to the other series and get to the cribbage moment and go ah oh, it's still weird yeah, yeah. <laughs> still surreal anyway so he, he was good he was good at polo slash cribbage however if we can believe the sources he was not arrogant with this you said you like to show off yeah no I, I'm slightly confused how, okay. how do you in a modest way set up a glass with a ball on top to show off your, your party trick that is only something an absolute arrogant person yes, would, would do. do. Unless it's like his friends did it and went, oh, come on, John, come on. And he's like, oh, no, no, I don't want to. I mean, I've been practising for it for the past six hours. But like, fine, I will, but only if you all promise to donate to the orphanage if I get it, okay? It's the reason <laughs> why I'm going to do it. Yeah, I'll so. need to pay for new cribbage have the last one broke. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, they, they're delicate. Anyway, he was, uh, yeah, no, he was apparently, he wasn't arrogant. He was kind and pleasant to talk to. Uh, the only character faults he that are listed about him uh, one, he had a slight weakness for drink. Don't we all? It's not a weakness. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And also, he was unable to, and I quote, resist physical pleasures. So, um, a lot of personal time. <laughs> Executive time. Executive time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're going back to, oh, who was it? Genuinely can't remember. I think it was one of Constantine's. Yeah, one of the young emperors. Yeah. Um, I, uh, Woodcuts in the room, locking the door. Yeah. Oh, I can't Great remember which time. Constantine it was. I'm gonna guess four. <laughs> Just say them all. That's like Constantine one. That's like Constantine two. That's like Constantine three. Oh, that's like Constantine four. Oh, that's like Constantine five. It's definitely pre five. Five is poo face. I'll put one of those in. It'll be fine. <laughs> Smooth edit. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, but that that's it. That apparently his only character flaws were uh, he liked to drink and he couldn't resist a bit of personal pleasure. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, go. that would make an awkward Senate meeting, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would. But, I mean, this is not too bad for a list of character flaws, I think. As we're talking about the... Uh, physical pleasures. Apparently he found the old physical pleasures easy to come by, and I'm not just talking executive time here, uh, because he was said to be quite the looker. Oh. Oh, yes. <laughs> so he'd hold a mirror as well. <laughs> <laughs> Our quotes. Fair hair and complexion, 
Blonde hair that was thin at the forehead, his eyes were manly and bright, his nose narrow and well-proportioned, his upper facial hair was red, falling into an oblong shape. He had a broad chest and back, his strength gigantic. (laughs) (laughs) He's got a massive strength. Oh, yes. Huge. (laughs) So, there you go. I mean, he's... uh, Okay. He's sort of this red-bearded... Blonde haired, just sort of a beast of a man, but with startling eyes kind of looks. <laughs> yeah. What are manly eyes? I don't know. Like always sort of like scowling? I don't know. Uh it depends what manly was considered back then. Eyes um, with beards. Yeah, eyes with beards. With moustaches on the eyelids. Eyes that drink lager and talk about football a lot. Yes. Yeah. So we've now got him. He's bearded, he can hit a ball with a stick really well. Um he doesn't boast. He's a good looker with a red beard. So it was in these early years of living the life of a hot young aristocrat um, that he joined the army, presumably under his uncle Nikephoros. Uh, he then married a woman named Maria Sclerania uh, from the Sclerus family. The Sclerus family we've not come across before, but they are also a prominent family. She was said to be just as much of a looker as he was, but unfortunately we don't know anything else about her, apart from the fact that she is dead before John becomes the emperor. Oh. So pick one, as long as you get it in before him becoming emperor. I will. Good. Anyway, meanwhile, um, after getting married and whatnot... Uh, John rises through the ranks in the way that you'd expect someone with strong links to so many powerful families. I mean, that is obviously his own family and yeah. the Focus family and the Sclerus family. It's all all, all tied together. Uh, so, sure enough, he was put in charge of the Armenian theme before he was the age of 25. Yeah, okay. As we've seen, fighting with Scythe Sword of Destiny kicked off, and Nikephros's dad, Bardas Focus, became leader of the armies. Mm. He didn't do so well, as we've seen, nope. and Nikephros took over. He did very well. He did very well, as we've seen. And as the Focus family took over the army, John became more important also, thanks to those family ties. So in his early 30s, John starts leading armies in the war, and he makes a name for himself in 956 when he personally fought Scythe and lost 4,000 men when he did so. Ooh. Yeah, not the best start. But... First time, right? First, first Perhaps. time. And again, somebody that is known as being amazing. So, Well, exactly. Not only is Scythe's Sword of Destiny amazing, but also this distraction puts Scythe's Sword of Destiny in the wrong place, which means that um, Leo, Nikephros's brother, yeah. Leo Focus, was able to attack another of Scythe's armies and capture Scythe's cousin, which okay. was seen as a, a great thing. In fact... It cancelled out the loss of the 4,000 men. We've captured a cousin. Do you think John had to do like a performance review after the, the battle? How, how do you think it went? Well, I jumped over four horses. Didn't work. <laughs> Tried jumping really, really high. Didn't work. I just couldn't beat him. Hit a ball with a stick. I mean, that, that dropped one soldier. He didn't then, move again. But... Last, last resort, executive time. Again, didn't work. Nice. So, uh, 4,000 men dead. Yeah. Uh, I can't help but feel if I was a family member of one of those 4,000 men, I don't think a cousin of Scythe would really cut it to weigh out the scales, but apparently it did. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, a year later, John was able to uh, redeem himself when he took the fortress of Dara. That's right, this is uh, Dara, the first time we've come across Dara for ages, to the point where I would not be surprised if you completely forgot. No, I was going to ask you this this week about Dara and how it's getting on. 
Oh yeah, well, um, this obviously you do remember is uh, yeah. the fortress town that was built next to Nisibis. Nisibis was in our story for ages. Uh, if you yeah. remember uh, Jovian when he was uh, running out of the desert after Julian had ruined everything. Oh, Julian, bloody Julian. Yeah, yeah. Well, remember yeah, yeah. Jovian went past Nisibis and said to everyone, oh, it's fine, it's fine, I'm here now, but then had to say, by the way, I've I've given you up to the Persians. Sorry. So, uh, we're all going to go. Have fun. Yeah. So, I mean, th- this is an area we have been to before, but not in quite some no. time. But yeah, there you go. He manages to take Dara, which is great. Then in 568, he fought with Scythe once more, and this time John was victorious, Ooh. forcing Scythe to flee. Now, I'm glossing over this a lot, uh, because we've covered this period in other episodes. Yeah. Uh, but just know he's finding his feet. John pretty much becomes as popular as the two Focus brothers, Nykephros and Leo. Okay. So between the three of them, they were racking up victories against the Caliphate. They were known as the generals to beat. So it's almost quite—it's almost turning into, not quite, but almost like another golden age of war for Rome, isn't it? At this point. Oh, we will see. Yes, we're going to see some stories. Oh, yeah, which we have not seen the like of for quite some time. Good. Oh yeah. Good bit of confidence building. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, um, then Constantine Purpleborn dies, and uh, his son Romanos II comes to power. Uh, Crete was taken back by Nikephoros, and between the Focus Brothers, Scythe was defeated, and then Aleppo was sacked. John was there whilst Aleppo was sacked. He was with Nikephoros. Nice. Then Romanos II died, and Nikephoros received word from the Augusta. Get back here, protect my children, and in return you can be co-emperor. Nikephoros II. Nikephoros II, yes. Then the whole fight between Nikephoros and Joseph Bringus occurs, that we covered last time. Then, while on campaign shortly afterwards, John received that letter that we talked about in the last episode. Yes. If, the letter said, John, you kill your uncle and the general, then I, Joseph, the Lord Chamberlain, will support you if you want to go for the throne. It would appear that John thought about this for no longer than it took for him to take the letter to Nikephoros... <laughs> And show the general. So that's it. He's a loyal man. That's that's pretty loyal. That's pretty loyal, isn't it? What a guy. He is. He is that guy. He's the guy who winks at people and everyone loves. And yeah, but I think though, if somebody gave a letter to me saying, "Right, here's a letter to take," you know, I want you to take care of Rob. Yeah. You know, in brackets, kill. Yeah. <laughs> I would show you the letter. Yeah, it's like before. just just before the knife is plunged yeah. through the letter into my stomach. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, a bit like the letter that was given to Commodus. Yes. Here's a list of people trying to kill you. Yeah. It's just the word me. Written <laughs> yes. on it. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, just like that. Yeah. Uh, no, no, John wasn't like that. He was loyal. Oh, so Nikephoros becomes emperor. So now he's the nephew of the emperor, a popular general. Uh, everything's looking good. In fact, John is put in charge of all the forces in the east. Now, during the reign of Nikephoros, we enter the land of speculation. He's not really talked about much. Uh, all we know okay. is that over the next six years, John goes from being so loyal he immediately told Nikephoros of a plot to kill him to plotting to kill Nikephoros himself. Maybe you just thought, yeah, actually, this would be really easy. Maybe. If it wasn't for me... Well, are you ready to enter the realm of speculation? Hang on, let me get get my hat on. Yeah. Okay, ready. Good. I mean, it's a hat we wear most of the time anyway. So. Yeah, but... <laughs> well, it would appear that uh, John and the Augusta Theophano yeah. uh, were close. 
perhaps they got to know each other quite well during this period. Ooh. Oh, yes. If you remember, Theofano was uh, Romanos II's wife. Yep. And then Romanos II died, so Good. she married Knight Kefiros. Oh. Yeah. Oh, she's getting passed around like a Veruca in a swimming pool, isn't she? <laughs> well, if you remember, Nikephoros was said to be a very pious. And if you remember, he said to his good friend oh. Athanasius, the slightly sad monk who got crushed by the dome. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he told his friend, don't worry, I'm not doing anything with my wife. This is a marriage of convenience. I'm still going to be a monk with you in our monk room. Somebody put that as a comment, didn't they? That as a chance... I think they did. Yes, yes, no, you're absolutely right. It is... Um, it's uh, widely speculated that the two of them didn't do anything in their marriage. Uh, but it is only speculation. We obviously have no idea. Yeah. But we do know what with mm. the hair shirt and the sleeping on the floor. Nikephoros <laughs> was very pious. So it's certainly yeah. a possibility. So anyway, maybe, just maybe, again, speculation, Theophanos in the royal court, uh, married to Nikephoros, the new emperor. But who's this hanging around? This handsome young general with his fiery red beard and his steely gaze. Maybe maybe we should nip over here a bit? Yeah. Check out my coin collection. I'm so lonely. <laughs> maybe. However, for whatever reasons, Nikephoros became suspicious of John. Well, it's like you're doing a lot of coin buffing. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> a lot of aerobics lessons together. <laughs> really noisy aerobics lessons right next a, door. She always keeps agreeing with you. <laughs> I can always tell you when you're round, John, because she keeps <laughs> saying your name. It became quite suspicious. Uh, so, at some point, we don't know the details, and this is also when Ikefros is starting to get paranoid. <laughs> um, <laughs> at some point, John does something, because he was removed from his command and placed under house arrest. Oh, really? Yeah. Ooh. Now, this is similar to the General Boutsies, who I mentioned at the end of last episode, who had taken Antioch without orders. Yeah. Yeah. I remember Nikephoros wasn't happy about that. Yeah. Uh, so Boutsies was exiled. So Nikephoros is starting to exile or put under house arrest all his best and most popular generals. Interesting. But we don't know why. Well, we know Boutsies. He yeah, didn't yeah. follow the order, but we're not fully sure with John. Back in the palace, however, Theophano was talking to her husband. Surely Nikephoros could release John. I mean, it was a waste to have such a great man under house arrest, was her argument. And he's so good at aerobics teaching as he well. He is, he is. In fact, I'll, I'll quote her here. <laughs> John, John, oh yes, John, no. Uh, <laughs> if you agree, bid him leave immediately the place where he is staying and come to us to be married to a wife of a noble family. Oh, you missed your chance. There you go. His wife's dead. He was married to a Maria, remember? Yeah. So she must be dead by now because they're talking about him marrying again. So how did Maria die? Theophano had her killed. Nice. So she could write that letter. Nice. I like it. There we go. Okay, there we go. How? how? Uh, hippo. Dangerous animals. Hippo's the most dangerous in Africa. Yeah. Um, I and have no idea how it is in... Yeah, they're, they're even more dangerous when... Roaming uh, the streets and disorientated. Yeah, exactly. And Don't know how they got drugs. there. Yeah. Yeah. Hippo's notoriously bad on holiday. So anyway, th this worked, apparently. Um, Theophano managed to sweet-talk her husband, and John found himself released and headed back to the capital. Once there, he entered the royal court once more and was a frequent visitor. Really? Yeah. I mean, there's... <laughs> Aerobic lessons, rope-pulling yeah. rope lessons. Uh, um, yoga. Oh, lots of yoga. A lot of backhand practice in, oh, in their yes. squash or polo. A lot polo. of forehand practice. Yes, yeah. 
Um, yeah, if they weren't doing it before, they probably are now. Yeah, apparently once uh, he arrived back in court, he soon received word from Theofano. She knew of several secret rooms in the palace and several secret passageways that led to those secret rooms. Okay. So, um, perhaps they could have a meeting. Yeah, to discuss clerical issues. Yeah. Yeah. It was during one of these meetings that they decided to kill Nikephoros. Really? Yeah. Everything's quite stable. Well, remember, Nikephoros' popularity plummets. Oh, yeah. And we don't really have the full details. We know uh, the public are starving, and Nikephoros and Leo just don't seem to care. Yeah. Uh, but public mood is turning south fast. Fair enough. So maybe they just think, no, Nikephoros is a great general, but he is ruining this. We need someone else in charge. Maybe it's just a simple power play. Who knows? Mm. Uh, but they decide they're going to kill the Emperor. After a few meetings, John sent word to Bouncies, the other popular exiled general, uh, plus a couple of others who were equally out of favour with the Emperor. Want a coup? asked John. Bouncies replied, yeah. Why not? We don't know who, but one of the conspirators betrayed John. Although not in a big way, uh, one of the men approached... <laughs> sent a letter to the Emperor to warn him that John was planning something. Now, we saw this in Nikephoros' episode. He was passed a note when he was uh, heading towards the palace one day that just said, beware, John Zimiskis is plotting something. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, um, obviously the, uh, the plan was betrayed, but not in a big enough way that any proof could be brought forth. So Nikephoros either didn't believe it or didn't feel like he could move forward without more evidence. It's weird that you get all these emperors that had these messages or hints in the past of like, oh, this person might be plotting against you. And suddenly they had that person killed, their entire family killed, everyone they knew or met and then bumped in the street killed. But now it's like, I don't believe you. Yeah. It, and it was an actual plot. Yeah, it does surprise me that um, Nikephoros didn't out. move against this, but maybe it just happened too quickly. Maybe Nikephoros started his own counterplot. But oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That would have taken time to set up. Maybe he, had, maybe he thought he had more time. Anyway, on the 10th of December, several men smuggled themselves into the woman's quarters of the palace, using women's garb to disguise themselves. <laughs> so literally dressed up as washerwomen yeah. and snuck themselves into the women's well, quarters. Well, what are you doing here? Um, we're here to clean the dish- dishes. Yeah, it, it really was like Fantastic. that. Fantastic. Yeah. Full on beards. Yes. Yeah. So they've put bows Shields. in them. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shields on the back, swords. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, the only thing he had on was the washerwomen hat. Yeah. That was and it. a name badge, Dorothy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> really crudely written on. <laughs> Vlad. Vlad. D- D- Dorothy. <laughs> this way. <laughs> Got some more dishes to clean. <laughs> yeah. So uh, they all squeezed themselves into one of the secret rooms in the palace. Awkward. John, not in the palace, he's at home elsewhere, nearby in the city. Okay. Uh, with the other important conspirators. So the likes of Bouncies and the, yeah, yeah. the prominent generals. Uh, back in the palace, time ticks on. Evening falls. The snow starts to fall. A whole blizzard starts. It's really horrible weather. Uh, Nikephoros then receives his second note, which again was mentioned last episode. This time, it says, seriously, <laughs> you need to beware, there are men hiding in the women's quarters. So, I mean, this this guy was seriously trying to ruin the plot. And he, he, who did he send around to check? Was it Zimskis to check? No, it was his chief eunuch, who you really suspected last week. Yeah. You, you said, I oh thought, yeah, he's yeah. probably in on it. 
Yeah, so he'd like open the washroom door, see all the soldiers in there. Nope, nothing in here. Yeah, you were 100% spot on there. Oh. Because that's exactly what the chief eunuch did. He organised the search of the women's quarters, and he just made sure that a certain room was left to him to inspect. Because the chief eunuch had indeed been paid off. Fair enough. A couple of hours later, as the snow kept falling down... Flutters. Flakes. Fluttering down. Oh, that's lovely. That's a good word, isn't it? Thanks for that word. Right. Yeah, the Augusta made her excuses, if you remember, to Nykephros. She's going to go and check on some of the young girls staying in the court. Because yeah, I'm wearing a white dress and all blood. I mean, <laughs> I, I want to go and check on things. Yes. Oh. I mean, these young girls are staying in the women's quarters, then they're unsettled because where they're staying was just searched. Yeah. So, Theophano herself opens the door to the secret room and the conspirators are let out. She then takes them up to a terrace. Now, below where they are, yeah. by this point, is John and the other leading conspirators. Because while night was falling, they had gone onto a small boat, they had made their way round the palace by a boat, and are now at the bottom of one of the walls. Right. The armed men lower a basket and one by one winch the conspirators up the wall. So, you've now got John... A couple of other prominent men, yeah. and some thugs for hire. Nice. At this point, Theophano seems to go. She's done her bit. Yeah. Um, someone who works in the palace is now with them. It doesn't make it clear who, but I'm going to say it's that chief eunuch. Yeah. Because he's already in the story, so let's keep him in there. In fact, Has he got a name? Let's give him a name. Um, Gregory. It's a good name. Gregory. Gregory's there. John's in charge. There's Dorothy. He's still there. <laughs> what? Yeah. Everyone else has taken off their uh, washerwoman garb, but Dorothy's got his on still. Oh, he's comfortable, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, he likes it. So, they start going through the palace. They head to the royal bedchamber. Full of nervous energy, they wait outside the room. They do all those hand signals that mean something. Yeah. Like, lots of pointing, and like, you behind me, you cover me, I'll roll. So many confused looks. Yeah, what? yeah. <laughs> One of them just says, should we not have organised this beforehand? And then there's just lots of shushes. Yeah, shush. and, and then after a series of really pointed points, one of them just kicks open the door. They rush into the room, and who is lying there on the bed? Am I Kephros? No one. Oh. No one at all. Oh, I know why. Oh, yeah, why? He's on the floor. Sort of. It's not very clear, actually, uh, but I think this is what's happened. Uh, They rush into the room. The room is completely empty. They can see the room is completely empty. The bed has no one in it. There is no one in the room. They all kind of pause, and then they start to panic. Lots of urgent whispers. It's like, we've been betrayed. Nykephros knows about this. We're about to be ambushed. It's only a matter of seconds before they storm this room, and we are all tortured to death. One of them apparently suggests that they throw themselves out of the window into the sea below and the rocks just to get it over with quickly. Then they all collectively look over the edge of the balcony and go, Plan B? I think Dorothy does it. <laughs> Dorothy's gone before. And they, they watch Dorothy sort of Does that want to go? Dorothy explodes like a melon. And everyone just <laughs> looks at each other. Anyone want to go next? Just a bow flutter up in the breeze. <laughs> oh, no. But um, it's at this point that uh, Gregory, the chief eunuch, yeah. does a little... <clears throat> Because he points out that quite often the emperor doesn't sleep in the royal bedchamber. He sleeps in a nearby room uh, on the floor 
on an animal skin. Possibly uh, bear, possibly leopard. Sources aren't clear. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> At this point, Deirdre, Dorothy's friend, probably <laughs> probably just grabs Gregory in a kind of why the hell didn't you tell us this before kind of move. Think of Dorothy! <laughs> yeah. She's um, down a chance! <laughs> That's how she would have wanted to go. That's not the point. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, uh, all weird silliness aside, yeah, no, apparently the uh, the person with them who works in the palace only afterwards pointed out that the emperor often doesn't sleep in this room. You would have thought that would have been relayed first. <laughs> yeah. Critical planning here. Yeah, anyway, they kind of stand around for a moment. What the hell should we do? Well, let's go and check out this other room. It's nearby, they decide. So, they head to the other room... Again, they do the symbols outside the door, probably. It's much quicker this time. They've got this down now. Yeah. 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 And also, Dorothy's not there, and Dorothy was the one who got confused. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Huh? So, they storm the room, and who's in the bed? No one. No one. So, I imagine there was a heart-stopping moment for a second, but then they see a figure on the floor. One of them... Because <laughs> Deirdre's like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, one of them, probably Deirdre, gives the Emperor a damn good kick to wake him up. Just as one of the other men swipe their sword, aiming at the Emperor's neck. But the kick moves him, so it just slashes down his face. Oh, pleasant. Yeah. And then we get the scene from the end of last episode. John, at this point, has a sit-down. He sits on the end of the bed. See, I think he planned this the entire time. He wants to be there as he's woken up, so he's there sitting there. But because of all the rushing in, he's out of breath. He's all like, <sighs> yeah. trying to look cool and calm. Takes a few minutes to. It's been stressful. Well, it's yeah, like I'm just gonna have yeah. to sit down. Yeah, wide eyes, bead of sweat going on. That's cheek. a lot of blood. It is a lot of blood. Yeah, that's quite nasty. Mm. I'm glad it's dark. I'm gonna have a sit down. Yeah. As we saw last episode, John then berates the emperor, saying, "I've supported you all my life, and you put me under house arrest. How could you?" And then grabs his beard, whilst the others smash Nykephros's face in with the hilt of their swords, and Nykephros is dead. Yeah, that'll do it. And that's where we ended it mm. uh, last time. But obviously, life goes on for everyone else. His body was flung out of the window, and in this room, the window apparently opened into a courtyard. Ooh, pleasant. So, yeah, the headless body just lands in the snow in the courtyard. Rumour of the deed spread through the streets of the city. Now, as we've seen, Leo Focus was rushing towards the palace because he'd got that letter from Nykephros saying, come to the palace quickly, something's happening. He suddenly stopped, did his sort of nonchalant whistle, and headed home, because he hears his brother's dead. The Emperor's personal guard then hear the news, and try and get to the Emperor, because they need to defend him. Now, the Emperor's uh. personal guard at this time is actually a group of Varangians. Oh. He has personal Vikings guarding him. Oh, yes. So apparently there's, oh, a, yes. apparently there's a gang of Vikings running through the palace, uh, angry. <laughs> that is fantastic. Yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't they be in a boat, though? Because they're Vikings. Well, they're inside the palace, so they probably just like had yeah. like one of those boats you put your legs through and you run along. <laughs> I just put like an actual boat. It's like, <laughs> hurry up! I'm trying. <laughs> yeah, they um rushed towards where uh, the emperor was. Remember, he's fortified part of the palace, so it's, yeah. it's in there. And as they're getting closer, they notice someone holding Nykephros's head out of a window. They all come to a stop and kind of look at each other, and they decide that actually. John would make a perfectly fine emperor, <laughs> and their their job is to protect the emperor. Well, if the rumours are true, 
John's now the Emperor, so we should probably protect John. That's wonderful. You can't fault that logic. No, that's brilliant logic. <laughs> yes. Meanwhile, John has headed to the throne room and seated himself there, uh, attempting to get hold of the situation. Right. Theofano, as planned, then comes forward with the boys. That's Romanos II and Theofano's children. Leo and Basil. Basil Constantine and Basil. Yeah, Basil II and Constantine. So they come along, still small children, and they sit with him for a while to add legitimacy. That must have been really awkward. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, what just do? I've just killed Stepdaddy, but I'll be your new Stepdaddy. Look, here's his head. (laughs) Yes. Poke it. (laughs) He's not saying anything anymore. No. Do what you want. Then the Lord Chamberlain came along. The Lord Chamberlain, also called Basil, so we'll call him Lord Chamberlain for most of the episode. But, um, yeah, we talked about him last week. Remember, he helped Nikephoros coup. Yes. Yeah, he was the one who started some riots off in the city. Yes. Uh, well, actually, the Lord Chamberlain also was fully aware of this coup and was fully on board as well. Oh, wonderful. So he calmly walks in. In his slippers. Yeah. Dressing gown. He, he's, he's like, yeah, could then, good, that's that sorted. Ah, Emperor. Yeah. Um, he made sure that heralds uh, headed out into the city. Dawn is approaching by this point. Uh, the heralds start to announce the ascension of John, the protector of Basil and Constantine. See, if... if- if his wife had died, this is the time now where she would have died. Oh, that's it, like right before. <laughs> yeah, literally the second before he was, yeah. was made emperor. No, well, that's a shame. Taken away from me. The Lord Chamberlain had one other thing that the heralds needed to say, though. Um, if anyone was seen in the streets without being able to explain their urgent need to be so, they would be executed on the spot. That's pretty brutal curfew everyone go home we're staying in today (laughs) was the message right everyone went home yeah dawn broke the city was silent it was covered in a blanket of snow after the blizzard throughout the night and no one left their houses it was just this eerie silent dead city apart from a couple of people dragging a wooden pallet into a courtyard at some point and dragging the headless body of Nikephros to one of the churches. Nice. And uh, he, he was buried where many of the other emperors were buried. He well, wasn't, like, thrown in the river or anything. I, I mean, was... his body was. I'm guessing his head was put there at some point yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say that's kind of respectful, but... Yeah. <laughs> it's the <laughs> least they could do. <laughs> yeah, yes, I guess so. There you go. John is now emperor. Yeah. And riots had not started. That's good. Well, they hated the Emperor, didn't they? Well, that's it. Nikephoros was unpopular. Uh, most people simply shrugged. All right. Day off work. Stay in. Build some snowmen, but not in the streets. Nope. Like in the back garden. <laughs> One man, however, was not happy. This was the Patriarch Polyoctus. Oh, yeah. Remember, he's no. a bit of a stuck in the mud. Really gets uppity when people talk about second marriages. the rules. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, as you can imagine, he's not happy. Apparently, there was a rule against like killing the emperor and uh, like murders against like Christian beliefs. But and John stuff. can say, "But I'm the emperor." Exactly. <laughs> I'm above the law. Well, Polyoctus had heard rumor that the new emperor and Theophano were playing a lot of tennis together. Ooh. Aerobic lessons, etc., etc. That would be marriage number two for John. Oh dear. And that would be number three for the Augusta. 
Oh. No, 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 Absolutely no, no, not. no, no, said Poliotus. The Patriarch let it be known to the new Emperor, you must put Theophano to one side, or you will be excommunicated. Now, if you remember, Nikephros was told this. Yeah. And, uh... Ignored it. Yeah, Nikephros made a power play and won, and Polyoctus reluctantly had to back down. John decides not to do this. <laughs> Instead, he just exiles Theophano. Oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Bye. Yeah. Uh, she was not pleased to say the least. You you could understand her annoyance. Yeah. Because yeah, she she's furious. done very well at staying in power she for a has. very long time. She has uh, pulled strings in the background. Um, if you believe worst case scenario, she was responsible for the death of Constantine, Romanos, Nikephoros. So she has plotted three emperors' downfalls and, in theory, was about to remain in power. Uh, whether that's believable or not, I don't think so. But what you can say is she was clearly good at clinging on to power. Do you think John got a bit suspicious when he, when he found out her <laughs> nickname is The Black Widow? Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, uh, well, it didn't work this time. She was not happy at all. Uh, she was exiled to the Isle of Prote, or Prota. Not long afterwards, though, she escaped came back to the capital and took refuge in the Hagia Sophia, hmm. demanding an audience with the Emperor, probably thinking, all I need to do is get in the room with him. I'll be able to sweet-talk him round. Yeah. Did it work? Well, John agrees to meet, but the Lord Chamberlain says, only if I'm there as well. Nah. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's blocking. <laughs> yes. Uh, the meeting did not go well. Theophano became very angry and started shouting abuse at the Emperor, and then punched the Lord Chamberlain in the face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, getting in as many hits as possible before being dragged away. She was exiled once more, and we don't really hear of her again. I like to think that's how the meeting between Harry, Meghan and the Queen went. <laughs> Probably, <Somewhere> yeah. <laughs> so there you go. I mean, it's a shame because Theophano does have a brilliant story, uh, but she's at no point in charge of the Empire, so I'm not going to give her an episode, but there's a lot going on in the background with her. She is a fascinating character. Yeah. Uh, it's just a shame she doesn't get an episode due mm. to the way we've done our rules. Anyway, John's got some more exiling to do, though. He exiles several of the Focus family, understandably. Mm. Uh, he doesn't want like Ephros's family around. Uh, Leo Focus is the obvious one. Let's get rid of him. Um, and also, Leo's son Bardos, another Bardos in the family. Uh, they're both exiled off to islands somewhere. Once this was settled, he could finally start running the Empire. And John had plans. He hadn't cooed for no reason. He wants to do things. It would seem one of the reasons for John revolting was that he was fed up with the Empire falling apart. Well, yeah. So he's going to do something. Well, he's, being quite, he's quite good at the moment, though, was it? The Iron Empire was doing quite well. You could argue. It was doing well militarily. Yeah. People were starving to death. Well, Taxes were too high, people were rioting. to an end. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Nikephros had certain focuses, and he was good at that, but... Um, well, it was a focus, though. Exactly. Uh, yeah. John wants to be good at everything. Now, if you remember, the, there had been an earthquake recently and a couple of bad crop seasons, so a large part of the population was struggling to feed themselves. Yeah. Like Ephros and Leo had done little to help the situation, so John, killing two birds with one stone, announced to the Patriarch that to serve penance for his ill deeds recently, because he was terribly sorry, <laughs> he would give away the majority of his wealth to the starving people in the Empire. And he did. He sold off a lot of his properties... Uh, gave away a fortune and just 
gave it to the population as grain, as food supplements. Can't eat money, though, can you? No, no, he, he paid for money. He went and he traded, he got money, and he gave out the food. Where did it come from, though? Because it's like the uh, bad did crops. Different stuff. areas, um, okay. trading through, right. yeah. Then that is lovely. Yeah, yeah, that's a, a genuinely good thing to do. Oh. Not only that, he also donated a big chunk to a nearby leper colony. And he even went to go and visit the leper colony more than once just to see if he could help out. Wow. Yeah, he's going full-on PR mode here. No, he really It's like, <laughs> I have just brutally murdered a guy, so I should probably, like, smarten up my image here. I'm oh, not all bad. <laughs> no. Go and shake the hands of some lepers. Yeah. So, oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's debatable whether this is simply just PR or whether he genuinely wanted to help the citizens. Probably a mixture of both. Uh, either way, his popularity soared. And very quickly, despite the ruthless way he took over, he was soon seen as a liberator rather than an assassin. There we go. But then international events took a turn. Because if you remember last episode, we left the Bulgars being overrun by the Russians, thanks to Nikephros inviting them in. Yeah. The Russian prince, the Grand Prince, was Sviatoslav. Sviatoslav had big ideas for the Russians. Uh, he wanted to move uh, roughly where the Bulgars were. It's oh, nice okay. there. Yeah. Yeah. I can see where they've been living there for hundreds of years. Um, so he'd gone in, done remarkably well. He had taken captive the Bulgar king and his family. So the, the Russians now own Bulgaria. It's only a matter of time before they set their sights on Roman land. And John realised this. So we sent word to the Russians. We will send you the rest of the money that Nikephoros promised. Remember, Nikephoros said, go and attack the Bulgars, I'll give you some money. Okay. So we'll give you the rest of the money, don't worry. Uh, just don't do anything stupid. Take the money, go home. You did what we paid you to do. Hmm. Sviatoslav responded with harsh words. We will not give up the hard-won land. If you claim any of it, pay for it to get it back. Otherwise, get out of Europe. Not just the Bulgar land, the entirety of Europe. You can have Asia. Go into Anatolia. But Europe's now ours. Ooh, them's fighting words. John wrote back, and I'll actually quote this time, We do not think that it is right to break the peace that God mediated, and has come down to us intact from our fathers, since we believe that there is a providence that guides everything, and we honour Christian traditions. Therefore, we advise and counsel you as friends to depart immediately, without any delay or hesitation, from the land that does not belong to you in any way. I hope we do not seem to be making these replies in a boastful spirit, for I think you are well aware of the mistake that your father Igor, who sailed against the imperial city with a large force of thousands of light boats, but returned with scarcely ten. I will pass over the wretched fate that befell him later on his campaign against the Germans, when he was captured, tied to tree trunks, and torn in two. But I'm going to skip over that. I won't mention that. No. If you force the Roman army to march against you, you will be killed all your troops, so no one will be alive to know of the dreadful fate that overtook you. Now, if I didn't mention it, as you get from the letter, yeah. Sviatoslav is Igor's son. Right. That's the Igor who attacked, remember on the boats yeah, yeah. the last time the, the Rus and the Vikings came over? Yeah. 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 So, uh, Sviatoslav did not take this letter kindly, so no. another one was written. This is escalation rather oh, than... It, oh, it really is. He sent back, and I quote again, Oi, idiot! <laughs> 
I see no urgent need for the Emperor of the Romans to come to us. Therefore, let him not tire himself out by coming to this land, for we will soon pitch our tents before the gates of Byzantium, will surround the city with mighty palisades, and will meet him bravely when he sallies forth. If he should dare to undertake such a struggle, we are bloodthirsty warriors who fight our foes with weapons. Although the Emperor believes in ignorance, the Russ's soldiers are like pampered women, and tries to frighten us with threats as if we were suckling infants to be frightened by hobgoblins. Nice. Was on. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, negotiations. I mean, it, was, it, was, it was on before this letter. Yeah, it really is. It's it's on. There was mixed feelings in the city uh, about this. I mean, no one liked the war with the Bulgars that Nykephros did. It's like, what, we're going to go out and fight again? The walls were hastily repaired because they've not been tested for quite some time. So mm. let's just make sure the walls are okay. Uh, and whilst they were repairing the walls, they, they kind of took stock I mean, on one hand, the Rus were far scarier than the Bulgars, because the Bulgars are a known enemy by this point. Yeah. That's the Bulgars. We know the Bulgars. Yeah. Uh, we know how big Bulgaria is. We know how many men they have. We know their structure. Uh, They're a known entity. We share the same religion now. It's fine. But these Russians, I mean, who knows how big Russia was? How many men they had access to? What weird religions they followed? They, they just were... an unknown entity, mm. you could say. So, um, yeah, people were nervous. On the other hand, however, the Roman army had not looked quite as good in quite some time. In fact, no one in its living memory. You had to go back literally hundreds of years before you could find examples of victories like those that the Romans had had recently. So, yeah, scary enemy, but we're looking pretty good. I mean, there's not been a single Jeff in the army for quite some time. It's done They've all been wonders. Banned. Yeah, it's an amazing masterstroke of uh, <laughs> military strategy. <there>. Yeah. <laughs> so, war was on. John, realising that the capital's not settled yet, he'd, he'd want to go and lead this himself. He's a general yeah. at heart, but he needs to settle the capital. So instead he sends his brother-in-law, a man named Bardas Scalerus, now, this is brother-in-law from his past wife, who's now dead. Oh, Maria. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, Sclerus is now in charge of an elite troop of around 12,000 men. Not a huge amount, but the best the Romans have to offer. Right. Uh, Sclerus was given the order to go and impress the Russians with their superior discipline and training. Don't fight, just sort of go over there and do some fancy turns and stuff. <laughs> just look really organised. Like, when you put your tents up, don't all stand around looking confused, scratching your heads. <laughs> In fact, take those pop-up tents that just, like, poof. Yeah, and then just look at it and go, ah. Yeah. And hopefully the, the Russians will just be frightened off. This didn't work, however. Ah. <laughs> yeah, the Russians were made of stern stuff. Uh, Sviatoslav had put together a force of Russians, obviously, but also hired Pekeneg mercenaries and Hungarians as well. He also had support of a faction of pagan Bulgars who wanted to go back to the old ways. So they probably had around 50,000 men. Right. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot more than 12. Oh, a lot more. Yeah. Almost four times the amount? Over <laughs> yeah, four yeah, times the amount, so, yeah. So, uh, fortunately for the Romans, however, they were indeed very well trained. So when the forces came into sight of each other, Sclerus ordered a detachment of troops to feign retreat in front of the Pekeneg wing of Sveatislav's forces. And the trap worked perfectly. The Pekenegs were pulled away from the main force, thinking that they could easily kill the, the Romans. 
but instead they were led straight into an ambush. And we get some details on this uh, ambush. According to Leo the Deacon, a large Pekenic warrior rode directly at Sclerus, trying to kill the general. Mm. The Pekenic managed to swing his sword and hit Sclerus in the head. Ooh. Fortunately, however, Sclerus's helmet turned the blade, leaving him dazed and unable to defend himself, mm. but alive. Wow. Sclerus had a younger brother, in fact I'll quote here, whose face was just sprouting its first growth of down, but had an enormous body. <laughs> so, big younger brother with yeah. some bum fluff on his chin. Yeah, little brother charged to protect his older brother and then swung at this giant Bikenig warrior. He missed, but the swing carried on and went through the neck of the horse that the Bikenig warrior was riding, apparently decapitating the horse. No. Oh, you just wait. <laughs> These stories are good. <laughs> the Bikenig obviously fell because the horse was not inclined to continue galloping. <laughs> so, screw this. <laughs> yeah, I've not got a head. Yeah, so once uh, the Bikenig was on the floor, little brother of Scalaris was able to put the sword in a couple of times yeah. and defeat the enemy. So that happened in the battle, and also lots of other fighting. Uh, yeah. The mechanics were routed, killed almost to a man. Mm. Romans, fantastic victory. One nil. Yes. It's a third of Sveatslav's forces wiped out. Not bad. Uh, Sklaris then approached the main force outside Arcadiopolis. This was a much harder-fought battle. I'll quote, It turned this way and that. <laughs> we get a similar story in this one, though. Okay, oh, brilliant. Yeah. This time, it was a large Russian warrior. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hey. Riding a dragon! Well, he was on a horse, and he approached Sclerus again. Obviously, Sclerus was wearing obvious kill-me-I'm-a-general armour or something. Yeah. Take the feathers off, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Never! In this fight, as the Russian approached Sclerus, Sclerus was ready this time, and swung his sword so hard that it went straight through the Russian's helmet through his skull, through his neck, and chest, eventually coming to a stop when it reached the belt of the Russian warrior. Oh, yeah. Cutting a banana in two. Yeah. Both sides just, <laughs> Both flop, sides over. just flop either side of the yeah. horse. He kind of looks round. Bloody hell. <laughs> <laughs> I heard what happened to my brother. I'm getting out of here. <laughs> Yeah, um, again, lots of other fighting happened, yeah. uh, uh, but Sviatoslav was forced to retreat and headed back to Bulgaria. So, uh, there you go. I mean, take or leave the uh, stories of personal valour from the Sclerus uh, brothers, mm. but I'd say it's most likely that they were 100% true. It definitely happened, both of them. Yeah, I'll go with that. Yeah, I mean, how hard could it be to slice someone literally in two vertically? <laughs> <laughs> Easy. Yeah, through the helmet. Through the helmet. And the armor. The skull, the spinal column. Oh, and all the steel armor and... Well, more leather probably, but... Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, but still. And more for them. Yeah. That's why. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> it's a victory, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. The Russians are now back in Bulgaria, no longer on Roman land. They are still, however, in Bulgaria. They've not gone home. Meanwhile, John's in the capital. He's making preparations for the real war, which, of course, is to push the Russians all, all the way back to Kiev, uh, not just let them hang around in Bulgaria. Yeah. So he recalled many of his forces from the east and starts to organise. He's going to invade Bulgaria properly. However, he then received bad news. Leo Focus had escaped exile. Oh, dear. 
Yeah. Along with other Focus family members, in particular, we need to focus on one nephew of Nine Care for Us, and that is uh, a young nephew named Bardus Focus. Right. I'm just going to call him Nephew Focus for now, because yeah. there are so many Barduses. Yeah. So, Nephew Focus, a relative of Nine Care for Us, son of Leo Focus. Uh, anyway, they, they revolt. Leo was soon captured. But Nephew Focus is still free, and he declares himself Emperor. Okay. Now, John decides that he's going to send Sclerus to go and hunt Nephew Focus down, and hope that the Russians did not attack in the meantime. He's leaving the uh, the West a, a bit open here, yeah. but he's got to put the revolt down. So John gave Sclerus an order. Go track down Focus, but avoid battle if you can. The Pretender was, of course, a relative to both John and Sclerus. These three families, the Focus, the Sclerus, and John's family, are all interrelated through marriage. So try not to kill our cousin, slash nephew, slash third brother, whatever it is. Twice removed. Yeah. That'd be splendid. (laughs) Because it would just be awkward. Many of the troops still love the Focus family, uh, we don't want to upset the troops. I imagine going to the funeral, giving a eulogy at the funeral after you'd killed him as well. Yeah, it would just be awkward. So go and see what you can do without bloodshed. So Sclerus heads over, reaches the forces of Focus, and does not attack. Instead, he dressed some of the men up as beggars and had them approach the enemy camp. And the beggars would, like, just cough a bit. <coughs> yeah, uh, Sclerus says here, forgive you if uh, you just, like, defect a bit. <coughs> Penny for the blind. <laughs> Shake the tin. <laughs> While staring directly at people, like, <laughs> pointing with their eyes over yeah, to yeah. the Sclerus camp. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, th- this works. Um, oh. Nephew Focus watched in despair as his forces dwindled before his eyes. Every morning he woke up, more news of desertions. Oh dear. Yeah, his army just fall apart without any bloodshed. Uh, Sclerus then writes to Focus... Give up, we'll show you mercy, we're family. Focus wrote back, and quote, Either I will attain imperial glory and will exact complete vengeance for my uncle's murder, or I will bravely accept my fate and be delivered from an accursed and impious tyrant. Um, yeah, so he's not giving up. But why? That would really frustrate me. So why not? Seriously. Well, Focus You're then fool. breaks camp with 30 trusted men and legs it. No, fair enough. Just gets on a horse, yeah. let's go. There's a fortress nearby, and he figures he could probably hold out there if he can get there first without being captured. So full-on chase scene now. The horses burst out the focus camp. Sclerus spots it and gives chase. Ooh. One of Sclerus's men happened to have a very good horse and was able to draw level with focus. Yeah. But focus whips round with a mace in his hand and crushes the man's skull through the helmet. He hits it that bad. This man falls to the ground. You would, wouldn't you? Yeah, just dead, instant death. Uh, Scleris and his men catch up to their fallen brother-in-arms, see him with a concave face. (laughs) They decide, you know what, let him go. (laughs) Let him go. He's a bit stressed at the moment, lads. (laughs) We'll give him this one. And after all, it's only a matter of time. It's only so long he can go in that fortress. We've got an army, it's him and a few men. Sure enough, Focus soon gives up. He cannot withstand a siege. John had sent word and had promised that he would not kill anyone who gave up. And he kept his word. Focus was exiled. But just remember nephew Focus, because he comes back into the story. Okay. Yeah, so he's he's not gone completely, but he's gone for this week. But uh, yeah, just 
Figure out a way of not forgetting him because he's important next time. Nephew focus. Yeah. Smashed a man's face in with a mace. Yeah, okay. yeah that's the one. Anyway, Leo focus uh, was ordered to be blinded, but John then sent secret orders that the man in charge of the blinding go through with all of the procedure right up until the point where a red hot iron spike is right up to the Leo focus's eye. Then the secret order was to pretend to have a second thought and show mercy, let Leo focus go, saying, the Emperor wants this to happen, but I'm showing you mercy. Right, Jeff, do you remember those instructions? <laughs> I mean, this seems a bit weird, but what's happening here is John wants it to look like he's being tough. He's going to blind his enemy. But he also did not want the soldiers, who still love the Focus family, to get mm. too annoyed. Yeah. So he sets it up so someone deliberately disobeys him, so the punishment doesn't happen, but he still ordered the punishment. Yeah, okay, so he's, he's almost put himself out there a little bit, isn't he? He's sort of going, you know, still blame me, but... It's quite a clever move. It's, yeah. Uh, it, you still get the name for being tough, but Leo's not blinded, so the troops don't get annoyed. It's, uh, yeah, shrewd. Quite yeah. impressive. Something else on John's mind at this time, however, and that's legitimacy, because he had no claim to the throne, he wasn't even married into the royal family, really. Oh, no. Uh, so, time to rectify that. Yeah. Uh, one of Romanos' two sisters was uh, pulled out of a monastery. If you remember, Theophano had uh, nunned a whole yeah, bunch yeah. of Romano II's sisters. Uh, yeah, they're still alive. They've been in the monastery for a couple of decades. So, get one of them. I'll marry her. Oh. So, romantic wedding. Uh, yeah. <laughs> her name was screaming, boring. <laughs> <laughs> Her name was Theodora. Uh, she soon found herself Augusta. So there we go. That's nice. But there was another marriage to take place around this time, and this one was to unify East and West. Ooh. Oh, yeah. If you remember, Nikephoros had no truck with the Western Emperor Otto, who had yeah. suddenly popped up, and had been quite rude to his envoys. Hmm. However, John is not Nikephoros, and he thinks that actually East and West being closer together is quite a good idea. So a marriage was arranged between a relative of John, we're not really sure which one, and Otto's son, the future Otto II. Uh, this relative was named Theophano, it's another Theophano, uh, but we don't really know how she was related. She might not even have been related to John, might have been related to Nikephoros. Yeah. Uh, all we know, and all you need to know, is that a marriage between East and West now exists. Okay. There is unity between the two empires. You could double-size the empire. Yeah, well, just just put them back together. Yeah, sorted. East-West sorted. Uh, we've had several attempts of this in the past, and there you go. We, we've got one. Yeah. Seems easy, really, doesn't it? Yeah, should have done it years ago. Yeah. John then decides it's high time to sort out Sviatoslav. Let's go and knock some Russian heads together. He felt secure enough in the capital to head out himself this time. Sviatoslav had fully expected the Christian Empire to wait until after Easter to try anything. So when John reached the passes into Bulgaria, the ones that were quite hard to get past when defended, uh, they just weren't guarded. Oh. Yeah. Let's go, lads. Well, that was John's attitude. Hi-ho. Brilliant. I was expecting a fight here, yeah. but we can walk straight in. This is definitely not a trap. Well, that was the response of many of his leading advisers. <laughs> it's like, no, surely it's not this easy. Uh, there was a bit of an argument. John had to really pull rank and say, no, I'm emperor, we're doing this, we're going yeah. in. It's like, we've got to take this chance while we've got it. So it's uh, some people not too happy uh, as they enter the valley. Remember, this is a... These are the same valleys that Nikephorus I entered when fighting Krom and suddenly found himself 
It was completely surrounded. Yeah. Yeah. And they all died horribly. Uh, yeah, skull yeah. drinking. Yeah. 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 So they enter this valley. They get about halfway through the valley. And then they get about three quarters. And then they, they're out. There you go. Job done. Oh, okay. But it cool. must have been nervous while yeah. they Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lots of staring. Lots of close-up of eyes just shifting left and right. Yeah. The occasional scream and then someone saying, it's a bird, it's a bird, it's a bird. It's fine, yeah. It's, it's Crows fine. definitely make that sound. Yeah. Jeff, you're still screaming. Jeff, you're not even in the army anymore. We've banned Jeffs, what are you doing here? <laughs> no, I don't want an apple. Put it away. <laughs> Kill him. The apple explodes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, they get through the passes. And in fact, they manage to get all the way up to the old Bulgarian capital. The city of Preslav. Uh, without being observed at all. That's this is where the Russian forces were currently camped out, at least a large portion of them, uh, holding the Bulgarian royal family captive. They've just managed to walk right up to them. It's great. Cool. Yeah. That was easy. The Roman forces fall upon this unprepared enemy and slaughtered many of them. The survivors ran for the safety of the city walls. However, they just weren't ready to defend the city, and soon the city was taken. There was like a citadel area in the middle of the city, but it was mostly made of wood, so it was just burnt down. Okay. Yeah, the uh, Russians fleeing the burning building were just hacked to pieces. Nice. It had soon become clear to John early on in the fighting, however, that Sviatoslav was not there. Oh. Yeah, which is a shame. Uh, but a good portion of his army is, and they've managed to just wipe mm. them off the map. Uh, and also, the Bulgar royal family were definitely there. Uh, King Boris was soon presented to John. John received Boris like a long-lost friend, and declared soon that the Romans would restore the Emperor of the Bulgars to his rightful place. So referring to him as Emperor. Oh, Yeah. Well, he's always going to be in his favour now, isn't he? Oh, yeah. Anyway, John did a, a bit of a, a recce, as they say, mm. uh, and he soon learnt that Sviatoslav was not too far away, uh, a city called Dristra. Uh, this is a port city on the Danube. Uh, so a message was sent to Sviatoslav, give up now or get ready to defend yourself with all your might, was okay. the message. Whilst waiting for the reply, uh, John ordered the rebuilding of the defences of Preslav, um, and then renamed the city. Preslav is quite hard to uh, pronounce. I'm sure I'm pronouncing it incredibly badly. Mm. So he renames it to Ionopolis. Okay. Or Ionopolis. Or in other words, John City. Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I now declare the city John City. <laughs> Great name, sir. <laughs> city of Lights? No? No. How's the statue coming along? Fine. <laughs> Oh, let me see the flag. Ah, my face. Wonderful. <laughs> anyway, uh, I mean, they like cut a ribbon and pull a sheet off a plaque saying John City and everything. It's all very nice. Oh. So they leave John City and they head off north. Again, John met with the Russians outside the city walls. This time fighting was harder. The battle lasted all day and could have gone either way several times. However, as the sun was setting, John managed to make a breakthrough with his cavalry. The Russian line broke, and again they were chopped down as they fled for the city. The siege began, but again, this time it's not so easy. The city was more prepared, so John was unable to just take the walls. Mm. The Russians are defending it. John decides, no, we're, we're going to have to settle in with the siege. We can't storm the city. So he sets up uh, a ring around the city, like you do when you're sieging. Quite tricky, though, because the Russians have the port. It's on a river. 
so they have freedom of the river. It's not going too well until all of a sudden in the distance, sails are seen on the river. The Roman fleet are coming up the river. Oh, yes. With ships with Greek fire on them. Yo, burn oh, yes. The Russians uh, had come across Greek fire before when Igor had attacked Sveatoslav's father, so they were a little bit nervous. Uh, yeah, the Russians soon found themselves completely surrounded by land and river. Why are all the Romans shouting BBQ? <laughs> nice. Very disconcerting. Well, two months pass of, uh, of hard sieging, but then the tide seems to turn, because a Russian force had sallied forth. You only have a sally forth in a siege, don't you? Can you sally yeah. forth in any other circumstance? With an activity, just I sallied forth and, and got the job done. Only if your job was, like... Sieging, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you're listening. No, yeah. When was the last time you sallied forth? <laughs> that sounds ruder than I thought. <laughs> yeah, yes it does. Anyway, uh, the Russians sally forth. They managed not only to destroy some of the siege engines, but they managed to catch the Emperor off guard. In fact, he looks pretty much on his own. He's only got a few men around him. Ooh. So they attack, and they kill him. They come back to the city, elated, and report this to Sveatoslav. The Russians, quite pleased with themselves, well chuffed they were, the next day pour out of the gates to finish the Romans off. Their morale must be on the floor. Fighting breaks out, and then there was a collective groan from the Russians, I'm guessing, when it became very clear that the Emperor's still very much alive. Hello! <laughs> it's Good to see you all here this morning. <laughs> it's Lovely <me>. weather! <laughs> Yeah, um, little did the Russians know that what had actually happened the day before is uh, a drunken general who had been put in charge of uh, defending some of the siege engines had seen the Russians sally forth, had donned his fanciest armour because he was a bit drunk and he was going to show Johnny Russian a thing or two. Right. He had rushed out without really forming a plan and had just found himself out of position. Uh because of this, the Russians just chopped him to pieces. Oh, wonderful. And because he had such fancy armour, because he was a rich general, they just thought, that was probably the emperor, wasn't it? Yeah, I'll and do. Anyone think to check? Did anyone ask his name? <laughs> no? No, well, my, my sword was through his throat, sir, but... Yeah. It's fine, we're, we're just, we're just Tausvertslav, the Emperor's definitely dead, we'll, we'll get a pat on the back. Problem solved, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> there's no way this will come back to haunt us. No. no. Definitely not. Yeah, so, uh, not great. Uh, morale just hit rock bottom for the Russians instead. Uh, then, a leading Russian general was struck. Apparently a Roman soldier cut his head and arm off with one blow. It's like... Like through... Are they using lightsabers now? <laughs> I think What's going so. on? Like through the neck to the armpit kind of manoeuvre, so the whole thing just slices off. Oh, yeah. flopping to the floor. <laughs> Still twitching. Yeah. Very shocked expression on the face. Yeah, uh, he, he was like a leading general. So, right. I mean, they, this does the Russians no good whatsoever. They all flee back to the city. Some start talking about surrender, but in the end it was decided that one last-ditch effort, do or die, was the way to go out. In a suicidal rush, the Russians charged out of the city, and for a moment it looked like the Romans were going to break. The Roman line starts to crumple under this unexpected onslaught. In fact, the Romans start to retreat. 
and then a bit more, and then a bit more. And then they suddenly swing round, and then sure enough, this is one of those manoeuvres where you pretend to retreat, and actually you're just leading the enemy into a trap. The Russians were soon surrounded, and they were crushed. Sverdslav was forced to sue for peace. He suggested certain terms. He would leave Bulgaria and return all prisoners. And in Mm. return, you'll let us go. John agreed. He was feeling magnanimous. Good. It was decided, though, the two would meet each other first. So a meeting area was set out and the two men met. Uh, They had a talk mainly about trade between the two nations. Mm. That'd be silly to let trade go, just because we've had this little bit of a tiff. Yeah. I mean... (laughs) It's like Barney. Yeah, so, I mean, the trade can continue, but just get out of Bulgaria, all right? It's now ours. I mean, Boris's. So, uh, <laughs> Emperor yeah. Boris. Aren't you, Boris? <laughs> Boris yes. there, looking very wide-eyed. Just, what's going on? <laughs> I just want to go back home. <laughs> so Sviatoslav then left with those men he still had alive. However, on the way home to Kiev, he was suddenly captured by a group of Pekenics who wanted to have a word with him about the promised payments for all those Pekenic mercenaries. Sviatoslav Probably did a kind of nervous <laughs> about that. <laughs> uh, we lost. We lost. They're all dead. And uh, I don't have any money because we lost. I owe you. <laughs> yeah. Here, here we go. It's on paper. It's got my signature. Yeah. You never know. But, I mean, let me go. Uh, think carefully about trade links, uh, politics, uh, diplomacy. It was about that point the sword got put in him. Oh. Yes, he was killed. Oh, dear. Sviatoslav is dead. Meanwhile, John headed home victorious. He rode through the gates of Constantinople in shining armour at the head of a parade. Full triumph style. Uh, interestingly, Boris and his family were walking on foot right at the end. Were they? Yeah. Oh, I, I, they were meant to be at the front, but, I mean, a form got lost, and you can't change these well, things. Of course. I like, mean, last minute. It's, right. it, it messes with the optics, doesn't it? It does. So, I mean, it's just walking. No one will notice. It's fine. It's, it's fine. fine. I, yeah, yeah, it might look like you've been defeated and you're captured, but no. Absolutely Emperor not. Boris. Emperor yeah, Boris. you're an emperor. <laughs> And we've got a little special throne room for you. Yes, they are, Bar. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, John had had some time to think on the way home. I mean, he, maybe he was genuine when he first talked to Boris, talking yeah. about, here's your land back, where we, the Romans, have saved Bulgaria. Uh, but now he'd, he'd had to think. And if the Russians had taken over Bulgaria, and then the Romans had beaten the Russians, didn't that make Bulgaria Rome? I mean... We've put a flag there already. It'd be a shame to take it out. Yeah. It was announced shortly afterwards that Bulgaria was now an imperial province, and the patriarch of Bulgaria was no longer a thing. It fell under Constantinople. So we own the religion, we own the country. It's ours. So like that. <laughs> yeah. Sort of. Bulgaria's big. It's a lot bigger than Bulgaria is now. Okay. Uh, it, it spreads out quite a bit. It's uh, sort of north of Greece, that big area yeah, yeah, going yeah. past the Danube. It's sort of... Remember Aurelian's episode where he moved Dacia? Oh, north yeah. North to south of the river. We're they talking, moved it across. We're talking all of that area. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's a big area. It's, yeah, it's a big area. Now, this recent war had actually really only been taking place in the eastern side of the country. Oh. Um, where the royal family of Bulgaria happened to be, but... A majority of the country hadn't even seen any warfare. As no. far as they were concerned, something was, was going on over in the east. Uh, we'll find out about it later, I'm the sure. The royal family looks like it's going to change again, but that's what happens with royal families. We're just living yeah. our life as Bulgarians over here. Yeah. What's that? 
Rome think they own us now. <laughs> oh, really? But that is for a future episode. Okay. But just know that's now going to be bubbling along in the background. Because there's something else to take up John's attention. Because the caliphate was finally starting to push back. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean... they about then? Well, yeah, they've not really done any pushing back yet. Mm. And uh, recently the Romans have just been able to push into Syria with no problems at all. Now, when I say the caliphate are pushing back, uh, sort of. Reports talked about the caliphate, but they weren't referring to the Abbasid caliphate, which oh. was still slowly falling apart. Um, this was a new caliphate, who I have briefly mentioned before, this is the Fatimids. The Fatimids had started in Africa in the old region of Carthage, but while the Romans had recently been taking advantage of the Abbasids' lack of hold in Mesopotamia and Syria, yeah. the Fatimid dynasty had been eating up the North African coast. In just the last couple of years, in fact, they had taken Egypt and then Palestine, and in fact, had managed to get all the way to Antioch and had attacked it. Oh. Yeah. Doing well, though. Oh, yeah. The Abbasids are weak. They can't do anything. Oh, there's another caliphate over there. Wonderful. <laughs> and those ones look scary. John did not want to lose this newly reclaimed city. I mean, Antioch was theirs now, damn it. We're colouring it in on the map and everything. We're not losing it immediately. We fought bloody hard for that. Sort of. We accidentally took it well, against we, orders. Yeah. No, we fought really hard. <laughs> That's how we're writing it down. So anyway, he, he sets out to defend the area. He swung by Armenia first, uh, because there was some unrest there. Uh, and he convinced the leader there, Ashot II, that he really was on his side. Uh, there, there were rumours that John was going to do unpleasant things to Armenia. And there was a bubbling tension, but he, he managed to reassure everyone, no, no, it's fine. Pinky promise. Yeah, I, I come from an Armenian family myself. It's fine. Lend me some men. Prove that you're loyal. I'm going to pop down to Syria area and knock yeah. some caliphate heads together. And we'll be back to see you soon. Yeah, exactly. I mean, leave you alone. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, he gets the extra men and heads south, and manages to settle the area really quite quickly. In fact, it turns out there's not much resistance there. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, he takes some towns, nothing major takes place, and then suddenly he has to leave the army and race back to the capital. Why? Because the Pope had arrived. Inspection time! <laughs> no! <laughs> it wasn't inspection time, he'd arrived uh, seeking asylum, because oh. he'd just been excommunicated. The Pope? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, uh, John was quickly brought up to speed. Otto the Great was dead. Oh. Otto, too, was on campaign in Germany, and in Rome, a cardinal who hated the new royal family had usurped the papacy, taking it off Otto's puppet pope, Benedict VI. Right. However, once Otto, too, got organised, this cardinal, who had made himself pope, and called himself Pope Boniface VII, or Boniface. Brilliant. Yeah, he realised his life was in danger now, so only after about a month he had fled. And where could a Pope flee from Rome? New Rome. Yeah. Off to Constantinople. The fleeing Pope arrived in the capital just before word was received from the new Pope. This is Benedict VII, so a new new Pope. Uh, yeah, the, this man who's just turned up claiming to be Pope, he's not Pope, he's excommunicated. So, to sum up, you've got a brand new Pope in Rome, you've got a Pope who had just usurped a month ago in Constantinople, and he is the one who's been excommunicated. Right. Yeah. Things are getting messy in Rome. They're getting quite messy. Yeah. yeah. Most of the royal court wanted to support Boniface. 
Boniface had long opposed Otto, and therefore had made many important friends in Constantinople during Nicephoros's reign, because Nicephoros hated Otto. Uh, so, lots of powerful people supported Boniface suddenly turning up. However, the new patriarch, by the way, Polyoctus finally died, much to everyone's relief, I'm guessing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank God. <laughs> but yeah, uh, the new patriarch, however, wasn't happy with this pope turning up. Well, yeah, well, why? Because the patriarch said, well, I've just received word from the actual pope in Rome saying this man's been excommunicated and I can't ignore the pope. It's the pope. Yeah, le pop. So he announced he, he could not ignore the new pope's orders. No one was allowed to aid Boniface. He is an excommunicated man. Right. This was not a popular call at all. Many high up in Constantinople decided that the Patriarch just had to go. Uh, the Patriarch pointed out that no one could remove him from his position apart from the Pope himself. And the Pope himself's not going to do that because I'm on the Pope's side, so there. It's about this time John turned up. Yeah, the Patriarch was removed. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Yeah. <laughs> he soon realised that just saying you're not allowed to do that doesn't really get you far in life. No, no. Yeah, it was decided, one, the Patriarch would be exiled. Two, Boniface should be recognised as Pope by the East. Three, everything should be done possible to get Boniface back in charge of the Church in Rome. So we'll have a Pope on our side. Yeah. And number four, there's this new guy called Anthony. He can be Patriarch here in the capital. He's a good man. Yeah, good unlike Tony. the old Patriarch. Yes. So there you go. Religious dilemma averted. Wonderful. You've now got two popes. You've got exiled pope in Constantinople, real pope back in Rome. Simple. Nice and simple. I don't know if I'll have time to talk about it in Basil's episode, but just know that Boniface does manage to get back and reclaim the papacy. Oh, that's good. And then he was poisoned about a year later. Oh, that's not so good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll probably cover that in more detail again if we're going back west for season three. So, we'll see. Anyway, John, wiping his hands together, uh, decides to head back to his troops. And here, he simply sweeps through the region. Remember how I sort of glossed over Nikephoros's stunning victories in yeah. the East last episode? I'm going to do the same, only it's even more impressive, arguably, this mm. time. Because from Antioch, John travels to Emesa and takes that, and then Damascus and takes that, Caesarea and takes that, Nazareth takes that. Um, in fact, he's getting close to Jerusalem uh, when he decides, actually, there are... Uh, I bypassed some strong forts held by caliphate men. I should probably go back and deal with them so they don't attack me in the rear. Uh, yeah. So, um, <laughs> so he doesn't actually get to Jerusalem. He, he decides to consolidate what he's got, which is a, a sensible thing to do. Mm. By the end of the summer campaign, most of Syria, Palestine, and Lebanon were now back in Roman hands. Wow. The empire's looking reasonably oh. sizable again. Yeah. Yeah. Syria, Palestine, and Damascus. Yeah, Lebanon. Oh. And also you can shade in part of Bulgaria as well while you're doing your map. So um, that's looking pretty good. Mm. John heads back to the capital to celebrate. However, according to Skylitzes, on the way back home, he was crossing some land that looked very nice. In Anatolia. That was nice land, this. Lush. Yeah, who, who's who's this belong to? He asks the local. Uh, the Lord Chamberlain. Oh, interesting. Thinks the Emperor. Uh, and then 
he goes to some more land. Oh, it's nice around here. So who who owns this uh, land and these farms? And the ads came back. Oh, that would be the Lord Chamberlain, sir. Hmm, thinks the emperor. And again, and again. In fact, he keeps coming across huge swathes of land that apparently belong to the Lord Chamberlain. This was land that was supposed to have been divided up and a portion of it given to the state to raise taxes. It would appear... Some massaging of figures had happened somewhere, and certain lands happened to end up belonging to certain people. Who knows how this happens? Oh, I, oh, I, I multiplied by ten rather than dividing by ten. Damn, damn. Whoops. Yeah, uh, John Crazy. John was not best pleased, and in fact started to sort of rant and rage at people near him. How dare the Lord Chamberlain be doing this behind my back? When I get back to the capital, I've got a thing or two I'll be saying to this man. Uh, and then he starts coughing a bit. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, he starts to feel a bit ill, in fact. His, his health sharply declines until, in fact, I quote, Finally, boils broke out on his shoulders, and there was a copious hemorrhaging from the eyes. Oh. Yeah. No. One of the one places you don't want to hemorrhage. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's never a good word, but uh, no. eyes, no. no. Uh, John manages manages to get back to the capital, but only in time to die. Uh. Yeah. Uh, if we can believe the rumour, it was the Lord Chamberlain, upon hearing that John was angry with him, had arranged poison to be served as a dish. Uh, but who knows, maybe he just died of one of the many lurgies that were around at the well, time. True, we yeah. just don't know. There you go. That's oh, John. Brutal. Impressive. Oh, it is impressive, isn't it? Let's rate him. Let's do it. Fightius Maximus. I mean, this is good, isn't it? Yeah. He won renowned fighting Scythe Sword of the Empire. Yeah. Uh, hey, he lost a bit when he was young, but then he won a bit. He wouldn't have a lot. I mean, he grew up leading the armies. He was said to be the kind of general who was first in the fray. He led from the front. Yeah. He impressed his men. Uh, he was with Nikephoros when Aleppo was sacked, defeating Scythe. When Nikephoros became emperor, John uh, was put in charge of half of all the armies. So, good generalship. And then when he became the emperor, he not only defeated the Russians in two separate wars... He also then went and defeated the Caliphate in quite a few wars as well. Yeah, yeah that's well, true. quite a few battles, I should say, uh, or sieges. He took a lot of towns. So um, he didn't, apart from a, a bit of a loss at the start, he didn't really lose any fighting. He just did well. Yeah, he seemed to know what he was doing. Well experienced. Yeah, he very much holds up to Nikephoros in terms of military yeah, it's success. Like golden age of emperors, be uh, generals becoming emperors, and it working. Yeah. Exactly. If that's your aim, is to take over places. Yeah. I'm going to go for the same as now Kefros. I think they both did about the same as each other. I believe I, agree. I gave him an eight. You did give him an eight. Yeah. So. I shall match that, bad boy. Okay, that is a 16 Ooh. for Phytus. Oh, well, should oh, no. I give him a nine? Because he did more. He did do more, actually. No, you're right, because he defeated the... He defeated. He destroyed the Russian. Destroyed the Russians, which yeah, caused no. the king to be killed. Yeah. No, you're right. I'm going for nine. Let's go for nine. That's a total of 18. Good Pretty man. good. Pretty good. Oh, that's a high score. I mean... Different time, different setting. I think he deserves it at this point. I'm going to stay eight. You keep your nine, and that gives him a nice, healthy... 17. 17, which I believe is better than Nikephoros, but not too stupidly high. One more. One more. Yeah, okay. I think that works. Right. Caprovium crazy. He didn't come across as crazy. Well, no, not really. I mean, he did do the coup... He personally killed the emperor 
like pulled the man's beard so other people could smash his face in and then chop and he his neck off. didn't kill the emperor, he was just an accessory to murder. Oh, come on. I think if you're holding the beard in place while someone else is wielding the sword, I think you can pretty much be accused of killing if, someone. If I held your hair as the barber cut it, would I be cutting your hair? You'd be assisting. Exactly. I wouldn't be cutting your hair. Still, he was a prominent player, shall we say, in the death yeah, of Yeah, of course he was, yeah. His hands aren't clean of that. No, definitely not. I'm <clears throat> quite literally covered in blood. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. But, apart from that, he actually seems quite nice. No, he's perfectly sane. Uh, I mean, he, he does nice things. He helps the poor. He visits All the leper money. colony. Yeah. Um, but like you say, he's clearly done for publicity and... Yeah, but, I mean, it's still a it good works. deed. Yeah. Um, I'd rather someone doing it just for publicity and it being done rather than like Ephros, who just didn't seem to care about the starving population. No, that's true. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, Leo Focus wasn't even blinded. Yeah. And the nephew Focus was exiled twice rather than killed or blinded. Blood's thicker than water. Mm. So he doesn't, like, go full-on vengeancy. No, that's true. I'm gonna he give didn't him... have children. No. Sleeping with the wife. An affair. With there was an affair. Uh, yeah. And then literally kicking her out. Oh, yes. No, that's a very good point. Forgot that. I'll give him a point for that because that was ruthless Shit. and harsh. I, I, I think it was, she was a means to an end. I think she was trying to use him and he, he was trying to her. use her, but he won. Yeah. So I'll give him a point for that. Okay. Because uh, that was ruthless. Yeah. I'm going to give him a point for cooing and an extra point for being there in the room, physically doing it. Three. I'm just giving him one. I, I don't think that there's nothing crazy about that or even a probium. It's just sort of. Okay. Total of four. Mm. Success. Pretty good, huh? He seems to turn around the whole starving population issue. Yeah. Uh, he, he helps the poor. He gets the farms up and working again. Gives his own money as well, which is yeah. a fantastic optic to give out. Yeah. He lent a hand in the leper colony. Which is uh, <laughs> all portraits, <laughs> which is nice. Be more sensitive, um, Rob. I mean, we don't get a huge amount of details. The sources are very much focused on like the war with the Russians, yeah. and tales of mighty deeds and stuff. Uh, but you do get the impression that if you lived in the Empire, there was a very good chance you'd see John as a huge improvement overnight, Kafros. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I can now buy food. Yeah, I mean it seems to go all right. The rioting seems to calm down. I mean there was no rioting after his uh, coup. No. Everyone stayed at home and built snowmans in the back gardens. So, yeah, I, I, I think if you take into consideration that he's growing the empire and he sorted out a food crisis, it's certainly more than five because things are going in a positive direction. But I don't think I'm in high numbers no. because nothing huge. I think around going six on. or seven. Yeah, I think I'm going to go six. I agree. Twelve. Twelve. Image of Okay. What's he look like? Uh, I think manly eyes. Something like that. That's probably more accurate than this coin. <laughs> He's got a square face. Look at his chin. Oh, my goodness. Which one is he? On the left. Ah, okay. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, weird. Um, he's got some sort of weird alien standing next to him who's, like, touchy and, like, E.T. style. <laughs> yeah. Which is nice. Big, long face that's very square, so I got that. Yeah. <clears throat> Beard and quite a prominent moustache. Yeah, uh, long hair. Uh, crown. Yes. Yeah, he seems to have a cross embedded in his skull. It's, it's let's face it, it's a rubbish coin, that. Oh, it is a rubbish it's coin. It's not great. Um, I'm just not that impressed. No, that's... that's. Uh, I've, I've, where have the busts gone? Well, the, I wanted paintings and... and... The, the busts are gone, but the, the paintings and the mosaics that have been coming up recently, but no, not... not where have they him. all gone? It's gone. Yes, like, oh. no, it's not good enough. So, um, I'm not happy. I'm um, only going to go for one. two. I'm going for one. 
Ooh. Oh. Actually, no, I'll go for two as well. Easy to multiply. <laughs> that gives him an that gives him a total of four. Divide by four, which is one. Well, if you wanted to give him one, that would have given him zero point seven five. No, I'll give him I'll give him one. Okay. You could... That's fine. Well, I'll give him two. So he gets He gets a total of one. Yeah. Okay. He gets a one. How long has he last? Seven years. That's two in a row you've got dead on. Really? Oh, because I was thinking six. I was thinking six is fairly accurate, but I don't want it to appear too accurate, so I'm going to go seven. That's annoying. 969 to 976. Well, that's a score of 0 0.88, so his total score. 33, 34, 34.88. Oh, not bad, 34.88. Did he beat Nykephros, though? Yes. Well, Nykephros no, no, got uh, uh, 32.5. Ooh, close. I, not, I think not super far away. Those two put close to each other, but John coming out on top, I think... That's accurate. Yeah, I think I, I think the scoring system works, you know. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, he lost most points on Imajo. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But, there's a question. All there is. Do they have a certain Because Nykephros got this, didn't he? He did. He did. And I think John's slightly better. Yeah. I think you, it, you'd be hard pushed to say that John shouldn't if Nykephros did. Exactly. I think John needs it. He he, de he defeated Sveyatoslav. He yeah. got a huge chunk of the uh, East. He um, he fed the poor. Yeah. I don't think he'll get to the finals, Probably but I not. think he should be in the chariot race. I, yeah, I think so. He deserves a horse. Yeah. Okay, okay then. Well done. Yeah. Pop. Hey! Right, there we go then. That is this week. <clears throat> well done to you. John is done. And that means only one thing. Who's next? Big B2. Big B oh, Basil 2. Basil 2. It's going to be a long one. Uh, we're, talk we're talking Heraclius length episode, I'm guessing. It's going to be a, a probably a two hour episode. That's all right. Trying to fit all that in because, hoo hoo, there's a, there's a lot to fit in. I'm going to have to skim. I'm expecting very big things. Interesting. I'm only about halfway through my research. I'm only yeah. about halfway through his reign. Right. I'm not going to ruin anything. Okay. Just know there's a lot to cover. That's all I'm going to okay. say. Right. I want intrigue. I want poisons. I want witches. I want omens. Oh, I want omens. If not, lion put one in. No one's going to never, never not believe you. It's fine. Ask a boy. I guarantee you political intrigue. Ooh, okay. Yeah. You can, can definitely have that. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Just remember, we now do not have an emperor because John's dead. Mm. Basil is not um, not stupidly young. Uh, he's getting older. Old enough to start, it's like, is he actually the emperor now? We have a powerful Lord Chamberlain who perhaps just murdered the emperor. We've got a powerful general, Sclerus, and we've got an exiled general, Nephew Focus. So, uh... Just know something's going to be going on with that. Okay, all right. Yeah. That sounds good. All right. Right, but until next time, though, do all the things. Do the reviews. Do the... Uh... Continue to download us as well. Yeah. Um, oh, oh, we've not mentioned, like, live on air, have we? Uh, the competition. The competition oh! was finally won. Yeah, it was. Oh, and won in style. That was beautiful. Oh, it was great. I mean, the competition's still open, obviously, because... Uh, if you uh, if you do the competition, you you win. Uh, but the first person to win the competition was Julia, who got a photograph of Caracalla with Mr. Stabby. That is fantastic. It's a little cute Mr. Stabby. 
quick discussion off air there. Jamie says that we perhaps promised something to the winners, and I honestly can't remember if we did. I can't so remember, yeah. let let us know if we promised something. Just write it down, and we'll believe you straight away. Yeah, that we definitely promised. That. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So yeah, um, but Julia. Uh, you win whatever the people say that we promise you. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say within reason. Um, I think so. Yeah. Uh, whatever you want. Did Did we say they get to choose an episode on I, something? That's what I've got in my head, but I don't know if I, we just talked about that and, and didn't I can't remember. We should probably organise these things more. Um, but yeah. That'd uh, be quite cool. Yeah. That would be cool. Do a random episode um, about some, anything you want. Yeah. Uh, it might be short, depending on what it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so well done to Julia uh, for getting Caracalla and Mr. Stabby. But obviously, there are other emperors and other pets. Oh, there are. Yeah. And uh, we'll never say no to another Caracalla and Mr. Nope. Stabby. So, uh, yeah. Competition's still open. Oh, it is. Oh, yeah. Open hard. Right. Until next time, then. I'm going for some executive time. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> what now? <laughs> Got a bit of the end today. <laughs> Goodbye. We are gathered here today to celebrate the life. Of it says here Dorothy Lurdax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's right. Okay, so we shall not mourn for Dorothy's passing. For Dorothy, I am told by his friends, went out doing what he loved. Falling. But it says says here cooing. Uh, but maybe he loved falling also. Fall hard, he did. Yes. Well, um, well. Uh, I should say this is uh, my great honour to say that, um, I'm sorry, it's Deirdre. Deirdre. Dorothy's good friend Deirdre is here to uh, say a couple of words about his friend's passing. Right, lads. We know why we're here. To celebrate Dorothy's life. He was a great lad. He took his job so seriously. He died doing what he loved. Cooing, falling, dressing up. Keep, keep going, Deirdre, keep going. You're doing well. I think we need to raise our glasses. Chateau Nerf de Pap. There are many things I, when I see, remind me of Dorothy. Washing up, screaming from great heights, starching clothes, massive axes, and quite an impressive blood splatter radius. I shall never see again. Damn you, you impulsive son of a... <laughs> right, hold your glasses up. Will we sing the song? I believe I, believe I can, can fly. fly. I believe I, I could touch the sky. He <laughs> <laughs> dreamed about it. Every, every night and day. Every night and day. He spread his wings. I didn't know Deirdre, did he? I... He couldn't fly away, no. It was like dropping a bag of blood-soaked oatmeal, man. He believed he could fly. This one's for you, Dorothy! <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>